places that I have observed in my travels, and one is at uh, Double Island Point, um, where the north-south weather, weather readings are taken uh, up on the coast of uh, Queensland there. And uh, I went fishing there one time, and um, we uh, had our boat sink. Uh, we did. We, we had this uh, about a 17-foot uh, uh, boat, and we had gone to the caravan park and about nine kilometers up the coast from the uh, Double Island Point there, and that's where Rainbow Beach is on the southern side of it, where the Cherry Venture ran aground. For those of you who are old like me, you can remember that. But for the young ones, uh, the Cherry Venture is a long time, I think, uh, disintegrated up there. There might be one or two pieces of iron left. But um, we uh, went out on the rocks, and we were fishing. And my, the fishing was just wonderful. We were catching all kinds of fish. And then this older gentleman came up, and he said, Hey, are you, uh, you, you fellows own that boat that's parked over there on the beach? And uh, Harry Rogers, who had taken me up there, he said, yes, that's my boat. He said, well, it's underwater. You better go get it out. <laughs> and I thought, my, I'm glad we weren't in it. <laughs> but uh, a wave had come in and swamped it. And by the time we got it bailed out and, and uh, got the motor running again, I was so thankful we didn't have to walk nine kilometers back to the caravan park. <laughs> then also I thought about the lighthouse in uh, Cape Sable Island up in Nova Scotia, Canada, uh, this lighthouse has uh, been standing there for many, many years, and they've uh, recently put uh, some new things to it to aid navigation through there. And um, it has one time in the past been the uh, navigational uh, guide for many, many ships traveling between England and uh, the United States, and that shipping zone, but something has changed in the last uh, 30 years. There's been an independent Baptist church started out there on the Isthmus called the Hawk. What a place for a church, a place called the Hawk. And uh, there's about 200 people that live out there, and the church uh, gets about 120 people in it, so it's a, a pretty good uh, situation. And that church sits on the highest point of ground on the little island out there. And so now many of the fishermen, rather than use the lighthouse for a guide, they look for the church. It gives them a little bit more guidance around some of the uh, hazards that are in that bay. And it's there. the tide is a, a large tide there. It goes up and down uh, a great many feet. And so... Uh, they uh, look for the church because the church is a good guide for them around some of those rocks and rills. And uh, I thought, thank God for the church, which is a lighthouse, as well as the Savior and uh, the message of the gospel, which is the light, and uh, spread out through our lives in uh, our earthly walk. Thank you, John, for singing that song. Uh, tomorrow morning. I'm going to put on every stitch of clothing that I have in my port. I may look like the Michelin boy or man or whatever he is, the old one, not the new one. They, you know, they've become politically correct with that now, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, the, the initial Michelin uh, boy was tubby. 
He was tubby. Now he's just um, uh, jovial. <laughs> but um, I'm going to look like a tubby tomorrow because I'm not going to freeze. And um, five degrees. Gas heater, I'll be standing, I'll, I'll probably sit on it. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, I suppose if we can, if, if we can get the men there with, with bacon and eggs, maybe we can get them there with watch the evangelist be torched. <laughs> uh, oh, my, I'm looking forward to it, and I, I know that uh, many of us men over the years have certainly enjoyed the men's breakfast, and uh, I think some of the folks from Vanilla are coming. And uh, some of the men from around the traces. So uh, pray that uh, not only will we have a good time of food and fellowship, but we'll also have a good time around the Word of God. And there'd be unsaved men there. They could hear uh, the message of the gospel, and the light could shine. The glorious light can shine in their hearts, and they could be saved. And so, ladies, we won't wake you up to make breakfast in the morning, but we will ask you to get on your knees and pray for us while we're out there. And um, hold us up in the Lord as we have this evangelistic prayer breakfast. And tomorrow evening, once again, same time, same place, same station, another message from God's Word, and uh, uh, the night meetings will be finished, and then Sunday morning Sunday school, and Sunday morning service, and then I'm on my way to the airport after the uh, message, and we'll be going on up to Townsville and uh, Ingham and that area up there. So it's coming and has been um, maybe a little quicker than we thought it would, but it's going past us very rapidly, and it'll be finished without too much ado, and these meetings will go down in the annals of heaven to be recorded forever and ever as to what uh, we did. Did we respond? Did we not respond? Did we uh, hear? Did we hear and become hardened? Did we hear and become softened? Did we hear and become motivated? Did we hear and draw closer to the Lord? Well, all of those things. Uh, the Lord has promised to be with those that gather in his name. And of course, we know that heaven is observing. And the uh, Lord sends his angels to camp round about us in these meetings. I believe that. And so uh, we think about the importance and the significance of a church setting aside time like this for these meetings. And it's become more impressed upon me the older I get uh, and the fewer meetings that are in front of me that are in back of me, how important they are, just how important they are, what can take place, and souls that can be saved, but lives that can be changed and Families that can uh, benefit and lots of different things over the years have taken place. And I don't know why God will not do that again. I have no idea why he wouldn't. I believe he will. And uh, so we plead and we pray and we preach and we stay in the book. And uh, we just trust the Lord to have his will and way in every heart and every life. If you'll take your Bibles tonight and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at some verses in, in chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians tonight. It's important that we walk right. 
that we don't walk wrong. And uh, there are some things here in the book of Ephesians that can help us in our Christian walk, in our way of life, in our conversation of life, in our behavior. And um, I think they're important for us to remind ourselves about it. Uh, God has given us instruction about walking. And uh, we know that Amos said that we can't be agreed, two can't walk together unless they be agreed. And so there's lots of examples in the Word of God where God is concerned with our walk. We want to walk with God, not uh, in front of God, nor do I want to walk lagging behind. I want to be with Him and uh, near Him. So as you look at Ephesians chapter 4 with me, just uh, momentarily, we're going to start out with verse 1, where it says we're to walk worthy, worthy. Now here in chapter 1, or chapter 4, verse 1, the apostle said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And then he explains us how to do it. He says in verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God tonight. And as we travel through chapter 4 and parts of chapter 5 and look at some verses to help us with our Christian walk and our Christian behavior, I pray, dear Lord, the Spirit of God would be able to address every need of every heart that's here. Lord, if there be a person here tonight who knows not Christ, might they see that the call of God is to all that will believe, all who will trust, and you'll save to the uttermost those who cry out in mercy for God to look into their lives and to see them lost and undone and unholy and ungodly and in need of a Savior. So, Lord, I pray that there would be a work done in people's lives in the matter of salvation, but also for those of us who have been saved and we're thankful and we're uh, given to a recollection of when and where and how and the details. Lord, we're just uh, thankful tonight that you reached into our lives and you pulled us out of the miry clay and you gave us new life in Christ. And Lord, we want to walk worthy of that new life. So as we look at this first point tonight, Lord, I pray that you would impact our minds and our lives, that we might make any needed correction, that we might make any needed adjustment. We might uh, look at ourselves honestly and uh, not try to compare ourselves with ourselves, which is unwise, but we would look to Thee to convince and to challenge and to uh, convert our ways to righteous ways. If not, uh, Lord, You draw us nearer to Thee in these few minutes that we look in the Word of God. Thank You for everyone that's come this way, and I pray that there would be a particular suited and tailored blessing for each life, each heart, and draw us near unto thee dear, now, dear Lord. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. That's an interesting expression. Let me ask you a question. Who are you the prisoner of? Who are you the prisoner of? And uh, the truth of the matter is this, that 
prior to salvation, the Bible says, ye are of the father of the devil, who is a liar and a murderer, and you do the things thereof. And uh, we're captured in our sinful uh, ways by the God of this world, uh, and uh, we're led, in Ephesians chapter 2 talks about it, by the prince of the power of the air. We're uh, virtually imprisoned in uh, uh, a life which is uh, contrary to the righteousness of God. And so uh, we need deliverance. We need for the stocks and the chains to fall off. I was reading uh, in Acts chapter 16 today about uh, Paul and Silas. Uh, they were made fast with stocks upon their feet in the inner prison. And uh, though they were prisoners, though they had been made prisoners, and though they had been in bondage and in, in, uh, in, in bonds in the inner part of a prison, yet they still sang and praised God. And uh, they couldn't imprison their spirit. They'd been born again, they'd been saved, and they were free. And Galatians chapter 5 says, Stand fast in the liberty whereby you've been set free, and though they may be able to kill the body, fear him that can kill and damn the soul to hell. Uh, we don't have that worry now that we're saved. We're free from the condemnation that was over us. But here Paul says to the Ephesians, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Prisoners lose their rights, don't they? You're told when to get up. You're told when to... Uh, go back into your cell, you're told when you're going to eat, you're told what you're going to do, when you're going to go out for exercise, all these things. And we could liken ourselves uh, to somebody in bonds, in chains, as a prisoner. But the prisoner of Jesus Christ is a free man. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So Paul said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, or... Uh, beg you for your attention here that you would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you've been called. Now, as believers, we're all likened to lively stones to be fit into a, a body of stones which makes up the local church. And we have uh, been given gifts, all of us, investments of God in us. And those things are to be exercised and to be used uh, in the ministry of the spread of the gospel and the establishment of the a testimony of Christ here in this community and to reach the ends of the earth through our missionary endeavor. But we are all lively stones, alive, and we're to be set upon the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And that body is to function and function together uh, in harmonious uh, and uh, in a way in which there is unity. And he talks about it here when he says, With all lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, when we stop to consider the fact that we didn't deserve to be saved, none of us, uh, Paul, the apostle, says there's no good thing which dwelleth in the flesh save the Spirit of God. 
The only good thing that is about us is that we've been redeemed. We've been purchased with the blood of Christ and the Spirit of God lives in our body as the temple of the living God. And as we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God's leading as a lively stone, I can be used of God and I can function for God in the ministry and in the exercise of those investments or those gifts that God has placed in me. When I walk after the flesh and I walk after those things which are contrary uh, to the will of God, then those things are quenched and they're, they're grieved in my life and they're stopped. So, when uh, Paul says here, uh, I beseech you uh, or I beg you, I want you to walk worthily of the vocation wherewith you are called, I believe every one of us ought to examine ourselves as to the vocation uh, whereby we've been called. Initially, it's the vocation of a believer. Ye shall be my, what? Witnesses. Uh, ye are my friends. And, and the vocation where which we are now involved is a life and a, a lifestyle which is to be like an ambassador representing the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price, not with silver or gold or any precious substance, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I come to recognize that this vocation is one of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And the vocation is to walk worthily of uh, those ideas and to give them credit in our life and, to, and not discount them. When he says to walk worthy, give it credit. And I believe every one of us should meditate as a believer and we should peruse the different scriptures and let the word of God cleanse our minds and instruct us in righteousness so that we know where we fit. I said to um, a pastor here recently, I said, uh, I believe one of the uh, most challenging parts of the pastoral ministry uh, and one which uh, is perhaps neglected more than they should, is to help the children of God, help the family of God, help the individual believers in their search for where they fit in the local church, where their gifts are, how, they, how God, who, who gave gifts as he wills, the Bible tells us in Corinthians, and to help a person to see how that God has significantly and wonderfully gifted them with uh, that which is going to fit together with the others so that the ministry can go forward. I think that's a great challenge. It takes a lot of discernment, a lot of wisdom, a lot of prayer, a lot of honesty. Uh, sometimes uh, we have to peel away uh, some self uh, ambitions or, or what we think we should be doing, we have to peel that away and just be honest with the Lord. I said, who wants to admit that they've been given the gift of helps? <laughs> Man, if you've been given the gift of helps, guess what God wants you to be doing? Helping. 
helping, 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 helping. Even when there's no thanks, even when there's no remuneration, even when there's no uh, uh, no cheering. Well, here comes the man with a gift of help. Praise God, and let's get behind him. No, the gift of helps is oftentimes an anonymity. It's done anonymously. And there is no accolade. There is no, uh, well, thank you very much. It's been a gift of help so that God gets the recognition. But people don't want to admit that God's invested that gift in them. Because it means work, W-O-R-K. It means ministering unto others. Even as Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministered unto. I came to minister. And when you have come to a place of honesty and you realize that you have the gift of helps and by the way I think it's a very common gift (laughs) as a matter of fact I think maybe all of us get a little portion of it (laughs) some maybe more than others but if you're not a willing helper maybe you ought to examine yourself a little (laughs) but here he said that you would Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And God not only calls us to salvation, but he calls us to holy tasks. Holy tasks and significant ones. So oftentimes they go uh, unheralded by uh, human resource, but they're written down in the books of heaven. And uh, that's what we need to concern ourselves about. Secondly, not only that we walk worthily, but in verse 17 of chapter 4, he says this. This I say, therefore, and again, every time you see that word, therefore, you want to read back why it's therefore. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. The word vanity means empty, empty mindedness, thoughtlessness. Um, God wants his children to be thinking people. Even prior to our uh, coming to know Christ as our Savior, he says, Come now and let us what? Reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, be made as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, be made as white as wool. So God's appeal is to the sole ability of human beings. No other being, uh, no other creature, no other uh, creation of God has the ability to reason with God. Come now and let us reason together. You don't see God sitting down having a powwow with the animals. God has put within them instinct as to how to survive and uh, and how to do. God doesn't sit down and have a powwow with the, with the trees or the uh, the herbs or you know, any of that. That's all within the creation. They, they know what they're to do. They're to produce after their kind and all of those things. But God says to man, he said, because I've made you a living soul in my image and breathed into you the breath of life, then you're going to sit down and reason with me either willingly or under coercion. It's amazing how God gets people's attention. Um, Sometimes it's just with a little 
whisper of wind through their life. Other times it's with a mighty storm. And uh, people respond in different measures of God's working in their life. And uh, God wants us to reason with him. And he doesn't want us walking around after we're saved with an empty mind. I want to be kind. (laughs) But God wants his people to exercise not only wisdom, but some good old-fashioned horse sense. He doesn't want us to be airheads, empty, just bouncing from pillar to post in life, going willy-nilly down through life. He wants us to have uh, a, 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 a purpose and to have some semblance of a plan and, and uh, have an understanding that Christ wants to live his life out through us and that we're to be somewhat organized and we're to have some sort of uh, uh, goals and objectives with which we want to accomplish for the glory of God. That'll keep your mind in the right area of life. But just as idle hands are the devil's workshop, an an empty mind is a vessel for the devil to fill up with every wicked idea under the sun. Even though it may be in the temple of the living God, God wants our minds to be fixed on him. Let this mind be in you, which was also what? In Christ Jesus. And you can follow there along. But here, he said, I want you to walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being in past feeling, who, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. It's the attributes of the unsaved. The attributes of the unconverted soul. Loose living. Immorality. All of the things that go with the natural man. He's, he's describing them and saying, now that you're saved... Now that you're uh, reconciled to God, now that you have new life, now that you have freedom to uh, be out of the bonds of canceled sin, don't walk around with an empty mind. Fill your mind and fill your heart and fill your soul and, and fill your spirit with the good things that God has for you. And think right. A.W. Tozer. I believe it's in his little book, the, the Pursuit of God or the Roots of Righteousness. I don't remember which one. But he makes the statement, what you're thinking today, you're becoming tomorrow. And how true it is. You and I think right, we'll be right. He said, walk not in certain ways. And when you and I are confronted with Decisions. 99% of the time there's going to be a positive and a negative. Walk not in the negative. 
as far as God is concerned, he's given us a positive type of life to live. I am positively convinced that he loves me. And I don't want to deny him. I'm positively convinced that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I even ask or think. Make a decision in the positive. Go with God. Don't go with the negative. Don't go away from God. Don't walk in ways which are displeasing to God. Don't follow the easy way of the devil's making. You can find biblical example after biblical example, but I think of when uh, Abraham and Lot couldn't come to agreement about the too much that they had. It would have been far better for them to sell off half of it and, and live with each other. And But they decided that uh, they didn't want to give up anything, and so they said, well, which way do you want to go, Lot? Which way am I going to go? I'll go the way that you don't go, Lot. And Lot chose to go down toward the plains of Jordan, which were well watered. But where did that lead him? Down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot chose the way which looked appealing and easy, and it took him in the wrong direction. Did Abraham fail to prosper? No. Abraham prospered and prospered and kept prospering, so much so that he had 317 servants that he constrained under his household. And when it came time to go rescue Lot from the king Sennacherib and the others that came after him, he took his 317 men and chased an army down and rescued Lot. But he chose... To go God's way. So we need to walk not after the vanity of mind and emptiness of mind. We don't want to just walk around feeling our way. I could spend a lot of time here, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to simply say, when a Christian tells me it doesn't feel right, or I feel like. I'm always wondering where their affections are set. If their affections are set on things above, not on things on earth, well, I, you know, I can understand some positive feelings about things. But I woke up this morning and I didn't feel very good. Still got up and got motivated, got going, and then I felt better. But feelings... Not only physical feelings, but emotional feelings. Um, I've been disappointed. Somebody didn't do the right thing. Somebody's betrayed me. Somebody's denied me. Somebody's done this. It doesn't feel good, but we don't make our decisions what we're going to do for God based upon our feelings. We make, them a, make our decisions based upon the fact that God does love me and all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We just don't throw our hands in the air and say, well, all's, for, for, all's forsaken, I'm just going to walk away and quit. If Jesus had made his decision based on his feelings, when he was in the garden and said, may this cup pass from me, nevertheless, let thy will be done, Father. God doesn't want us to make feeling-orientated decisions. 
have a mind full of the promises of God. Have a mind full of the purposes and the precepts of God. And don't walk around in the vanity or the emptiness of one's mind, just trusting in feelings and walking around like the unsaved in the, in the blindness of one's heart. No, our heart is not blind. Our heart has been given a sight of faith. And we can trust the Lord. Chapter 5 and verse 1. Be ye therefore, there it is again. My, a lot of therefores in the Bible. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. So walk worthy, walk not, now walk in love. All walking right with God. Hard to love some people, isn't it? Man, it can be like me. <laughs> Just un, unjust, unlovely, unlovable, and prickly, and cantankerous, and Hard to love some. How do we do it? With the help of God. Love one another. Only when they're lovable? No, when they're being rotten. When they've despitefully used us. That's when the challenge comes, isn't it? We're to love them. Not, we, we don't love them in compromise. We don't love them for their sin, or any of that, we, but we're still to love them. Walk in love. My old nature would like to pick up some and wring their neck. Don't you understand what you're doing? You're messing with God's people. You're, you are taking God's people and you are bringing shipwreck into their life like Hymenaeus. Alexander the coppersmith. And you're making shipwreck the faith of other people. Don't you realize that no man lives unto himself and no man dies unto himself? Every word that we speak can, can cut and can hurt and can uh, demolish the faith of a weaker believer. Walk in love. Speak the truth in love. And on and on it goes. And we're to let the love of Christ be shed abroad in our hearts so that we manifest that in our behavior. Walk in love. Don't excuse bad behavior. Don't try to uh, explain it away as sickness or, or whatever else. If it's sin, it's sin. But we still are to walk in love. Christ loved sinners. I would much rather walk in love than walk in misery, bitterness. I can take you to a place on the west side of Melbourne. Where one day I was out running. Now that's, takes it, that takes it back a few years ago. I haven't run in a long time. It's been a kind of a lope, 
you know, kind of a f- one foot in front of the other, and now it's a pathetic sight of humanity trying to walk. It's just kind of degenerated over the years. But back when I was a runner, that's a long time ago, I can take you to a place and more than likely almost to the square inch of concrete where I got down on my knees in public while other people are running next to me and cars are whizzing up and down the road and people are dipping their horns and figuring I'm having a heart attack. No, I was down there praying and saying, Dear God, i got to get rid of this misery and this bitterness that's cropped up in my life over a situation. It'll get under you and eat you like a cancer underneath and, and you will be hindered and hurt sorrowful and separated from uh, the things of God that you love and, and the, the devil loves to get somebody embittered about something whatever it is financial reversal an accusation of, uh, of negativity about you, a tearing down of your testimony by somebody, a critical remark, on and on and on and on it goes. But we're to walk in love. And it's so much better. Casting all my care upon him, for he cares for me, and lighten the load, get it off my shoulders, and say, Dear Lord, forgive me for feeling the way I feel about somebody, and help me to get on with serving you. Walk in love, much better. The love of Christ. Fourthly, verse number 8 of chapter 5. He says, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. A whole lot better to walk in the light than it is to walk in the dark. (laughs) Especially at night when you have to get up and make one of those trips down the hallway. I've got me one of those powerful little... uh, LED jobs, man, now, you know. I've woken up so many people in the middle of the night. I, I, was, <laughs> I was down with Peter Vicka and his wife there one night, and I had to make my little trip down the hallway. I got about three steps out the bedroom door, and the sirens went off, and the lights were flashing, and And I thought, man, the guns are going to come out any minute, you know. I said, no, no, it's me, Peter, it's me. He said, it's you. I said, yeah, it's me. They've got a dual alarm system, one for downstairs and one for upstairs. And Mrs. had turned the upstairs on after I'd gone to bed. I didn't know it. It wouldn't have mattered if I'd had my little LED light or anything. The place was alight with flashing lights and searchlights, and I felt, what in the world is going on? But I've also stumbled. And now you take somebody who weighs uh, whatever I weigh, and, and, and they go stumbling head over tea kettle, uh, 
down the hallway, it sounds like about a dozen bowling balls been dumped out of a bag and hitting the walls and hammers and tongs going on. And people are saying, what in the world? they got burglars in the house. And it's just me. Little old fuzzy-wuzzy me just trying to take care of some things. The darkness. It's amazing what darkness does. Darkness gives us a, a wrong perspective of things. But when you flash the light on it, oh my, I didn't see that before. I'm glad I didn't step on that. We have a cat. Haven't had one for many, many years. This past Christmas, one of the granddaughters called Mimi and said, Mimi, guess what we found in our dooryard? It's a little kitten. Oh, Mimi, it's just so beautiful. You've got to come see it. I said, Mimi, if we go over and look at that cat, I know what's going to happen. She, oh, no, no, no. We, 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 don't need it. we don't need an animal to look after. We, we need our freedom. Once you get a cat, you lose your freedom. It becomes ruling your house. Anyway, the granddaughters, they've got Mimi twisted around their finger. They can't have it because Dad's allergic to cats, you see. Didn't ask about Grampy. <laughs> don't, don't even consider the old fella. Just get Mimi over here, and we'll be able to salvage this cat's life. Mimi will come to the rescue. It happened. problem is the cat loves me. I don't know why. I don't feed it. I don't encourage it in any way, wait, what shape or form, anyway. And uh, for a while, the cat was going to be relegated to a certain area. Door would be closed. That's it. Nighttime. I'm safe walking around my house doing what I want to do in the middle of the night with no lights on. Now we have a cat. And the cat has somehow escaped the plan that was made for it. I stepped out of my little man cave the other day in the dark and right on the cat. You know. Claws and teeth and screaming and you would have thought that I had killed it. I just touched it with my toe. Uh, it's terrible when you have to turn a light on in your own home. But I've grown accustomed to doing that now too because stubbing your toe in the middle of the night and rolling the nail up off your little toe is worth turning the light on, I guarantee you. Walk in the light. Now I realize that He's not talking about just physical light here. Walk in the enlightenment of your new life. Walk in the light. Walk in the, the, the wisdom and the teachings of the word of God. Walk in the light. You have been relieved of the darkness of doubt and fear. You've been lifted out of the darkness of, of the 
unsaved condition. Now you can walk in the light and, and the realization that, hey, I am a chosen vessel of God. Paul said to Ananias, uh, or, or the Lord said to Ananias, uh, a Christian man, he said, I want you to go into the city and I want you to put your hands on Saul of Tarsus and that he might receive his sight, and that he might know what I want for him to do, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. And if you're saved here tonight, you are a chosen vessel unto God. And a vessel is meant to carry that which God has for us. He says, walk in the light. In other words, be enlightened to the fact that you're God's and he's yours changes the way we do things in our life, where we go, what we do, where we visit, where we exit, and where we enter. Walk in the light. And of course, in walking in the light, you're proving what is the acceptable with God, verse 10. There's lots of things there, and you can see for yourself. Verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Walk circumspectly, lastly. I've already used the cat as an illustration. I'll use it again. This cat can walk on the narrowest ledge. And he does it very succinctly. He can do it hurriedly. I'm surprised how quickly he can move through the house and different areas of close proximity to dishes. Uh, well, not in the cupboards, but, you know, these vases and things that are set around with flowers in them and uh, weeds, dried stuff, you know. I don't know if you men have that in your home or not, but uh, when I get home, things are changed around a bit. The vases are in different places, and the, the dry, dried weeds or wet flowers. Um, but the cat seems to be able to maneuver quite easily, circumspectly, around such things, objects, pitfalls. I have seen it fall a couple of times and created a real laughter in my soul. <laughs> you dummy, you look at that. How did you think you could walk on that? There is some value to having one of these around. I'm not sure if it's valuable enough or not, but I've had a couple of laughs. Walk circumspectly. Choosing each step wisely. Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, if God orders us, we need to 
responds. In obedience by walking circumspectly. He says here, not as a fool, but as wise. A fool is somebody in the Bible who does not acknowledge God. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. And then somebody who acts foolish in the Christian life is somebody who doesn't acknowledge God in all his ways. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So somebody who is foolish is somebody who ignores or procrastinates or put off seeking God's face first about how we ought to walk in life. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools without acknowledgement of God, but as wise. And somebody that's wise realizes that God sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. Somebody realizes and, and acts in wisdom, they call upon God and they say, Lord, I want to live pleasing unto thee. He says, walk by faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he that believeth that God is, and is a, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, Hebrews chapter 11. So, see that you walk circumspectly, not as a fool, but as wise. So a circumspect walk is a wise walk. A wise walk is one that seeks the the infinite wisdom of Almighty God as to what I need to do in my life, how I need to pursue it, how I need to go forward in it, and we continually look unto him, the author and finisher of our faith, walking with the Lord in the light of his word. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time or buying it back, buying it up. I suppose the greatest regret, or not the greatest, but one of the greatest regrets in my life has been the wasted time. Just absolute waste of time. The Apostle Paul said that I might spend my life or be expended for God. And the times which I have selfishly taken in my life when I should have been doing what God wants because it's just a loser of a life. You know, what is that? Like this kind of thing? I better not. I, I, I did one of those one time and somebody came and said, did you know what you signaled? I said, I had no idea they did that. <laughs> okay, well, it's like this. Loser. Branded right on your forehead, on your eyelids and everything. Loser. You wasted your life. Only one life to live. Only what's done for Christ will last. Uh, you know, it'd be wonderful if you had a 40-year-old head on a 20-year-old body. But it doesn't work that way. Or if you had a 60 on a 40-year-old body, that would, be, that would be cool. I'd like that with the energy and with uh, the enthusiasm and with, uh, you know, the, just a desire to get the job done. Be nice. But that's not the way it is. 
But God doesn't want us to waste our time either doing unimportant, frivolous things. Now, somebody's going to say, Brother Weeks, don't you think we should have any fun? I think we ought to have the greatest fun of anybody. As long as we keep the Lord first in our life, we ought to enjoy all things because he's made all things for our benefit. But how we waste our time is when it gets out of balance and when it gets uh, selfish and when it becomes, I've got to do that or, or at the expense of doing what God wants me to do. And I know personally about this. I'm sure one of the reasons that I resisted salvation for so long was because I had been convinced that you never had a good time as a Christian. I thought you had to, you know, tie your hair in a knot and fold your arms and cross your eyes and sit down, cross your legs and meditate 24 hours a day. Didn't seem like a very good, appealing thing for me to do, and so I resisted. But I want you to know that I have had one adventure after another, and several of them have been here in this place. Some are painful, but still enjoyable. <laughs> if you want to know what it was, I busted my elbow one day on a rock. And Adolf said, so are you going to quit and go home now? And I said, no, I'm not. Took my handkerchief and wrapped it around my arm and got Sister Jill's turkey keeper that night, put a bag of ice in it, put my arm down it and slept that way until my, my elbow froze. I had an enjoyable time. Memorable. There's several others which we'll keep secret. Don't need to know. But, you know, being a Christian is the most exciting of lives as you pursue the will of God for your life, as you pursue what God wants. Listen, God's a wonderful God and doesn't want to withhold any good gift from his children. Oh, the circumstances of life, they'll hurl at you every challenge. I mean, cancers and, 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 and physical reversals and, and, and problems of every shape and description. But listen, you can face them a whole lot better with the joy of the Lord than you can face without. And the good hand, you can report to people, the good hand of God has been upon you. Walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time Buying it back, spending it properly, because to let it go is to never have it again. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and we can know what the will of the Lord is if we walk worthy, walk not, walk in love, walk in the light, and walk circumspectly. You can have God's will worked out in your life. It's the very best life. It's the most wonderful life that you could have Walking with the Lord. Not walking in front of him or in back of him, but walking with the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us and for the blessings of God in our lives. And Lord, I pray tonight that we would 
learn to simply trust you. And Lord, to, to believe that you can lift us up out of the most dire situations and you can help us to mount up with wings as eagles and walk and not faint. Lord, I pray that we would fix our focus on Thee. We'd walk with Thee in the light of Thy Word and the promises of God and we would have a desire to please You as our Savior, Master, and Lord. You would render unto us those blessings that you have stored in heaven for us. Have your will and way in all our hearts and all our lives. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you're here tonight and you know that the Lord has spoken to your heart, you'd like to be remembered as a believer. As a believer, somebody who knows that you're saved, there's some things in your life that God's spoken to you about, either adjust to adjust, correct, confess, whatever it might be, and you'd say, Brother Weeks, remember to pray for me as you close. I can't think of a better thing to do, better time to do it than right now. Would you slip your hand up and hold it there for a minute? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else, Christian friend? Pray for me. I might walk right. I might do what God wants. I might walk in the will of God. I might pursue those things that God wants. Anyone else, quickly? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Yes, God bless you. Just let the Lord have his way with you. Say, I surrender all, all to thee I freely give. Lord, here it is. My life is yours to control. Anyone else? Christian friend. Is there anyone here tonight you'd say, Glenn, I'm not saved. I don't know the Lord Jesus personally. I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. But I do know this. If the Bible is what you say it is, the Word of God is true, the Word says Jesus saves, I'm going to ask Jesus to save me tonight. Can I pray for you? Would you slip your hand up that we might pray with you? Young person, older person, if you're not certain about where you're going to spend eternity, slip your hand up, we'll pray for you. Anyone like that? All right, let's finish. Father, thank you now for working in hearts and lives. Bless these believers that are serious enough to raise their hand for prayer. I pray that as they draw nigh unto thee, you'll draw nigh unto them as promised, that you'll give them enlightenment, that you'll give them instruction in righteousness, that you would help them to commit themselves afresh and anew, help them, if there's known sin in their life, to confess it and to humble themselves in deep contrition before thee, that you would have your will and way in their lives, and Lord, bless them abundantly above all that I can ask or think. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen. All right, as the ladies come, let's turn in our hymn book to 252.